Luke chapter 9, and we're going to be in verses 23 through 27. We will read those verses, and we'll pray together. Luke 9, starting in verse 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have given us your word, that it is trustworthy, it is true, that we can bank our lives on it. We pray, Lord, as as we look at your word, as we consider what you have to say to us this morning, we pray that your spirit would be at work among us, that, that he would be moving in a way to help us to better understand and apply the truth of your word to our lives. For all these things, in Christ's name, amen. Follow me. Two very famous words that Jesus said. Follow me. Pretty familiar words for many of us. Jesus said these words when he first called his disciples. Peter and his brother Andrew, they're fishing on their boat. Follow me. And immediately they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. Or Matthew, the tax collector, hanging out in his tax booth. Follow me. And he arose he followed Jesus. Now, if you, if you read these two stories in isolation, you wouldn't necessarily come away knowing too much about what it actually means to follow Jesus. In those stories, Jesus doesn't explain himself. He doesn't tell us what it means to follow him. You could come away thinking that to follow Jesus means I'm going to go for a leisurely stroll with him. I'm going to take a walk with Jesus. But thankfully, we have passages like Luke 9. Passages that that help us to understand what it looks like, having believed the gospel, having trusted in Christ, to now walk with him. To now live as someone who's in relationship to him. And so in this passage here, Jesus explains himself. He teaches us what it means to follow him. If we didn't have passages like this, passages that, that help us to to understand passages that spell out for us what it means to follow Jesus, if if we didn't have these passages, we might force our modern-day understanding of what it means to follow someone back into the text of Scripture. Following someone today is very different than following Jesus. Social media, in particular, has injected a very specific meaning into the idea of following someone. All that you have to do to follow someone is, is on Facebook or Instagram to click or to tap a little icon. Boom. You followed them. Now they're posts. They show up on your feed. You see what they have to say. They're now an influencer in your life. If you're not on social media, you don't know what I'm talking about. This is like a crash course in social media. You now have this person who's an influencer in your life. But let's be honest. That is pretty non-committal. I could listen to you. I could read what you have to say. Or... I can just scroll on by. Half the time, you forget who you've followed. 
or what they've said, or you forget why you're following them in the first place. You look at it and you're like, what? who are these people? I don't even know who this is, and yet I'm following them. Or, if you're like my wife, you follow people to get entered into these giveaways. She told me they're not called drawings. They're called giveaways. So I don't know that much about social media. She said they're giveaways. But you follow a bunch of different people, and then you get entered into this giveaway to win like an iPad. And then, she told me also, immediately after the giveaway's done, what do you do? You unfollow them. You're like, I don't want all this stuff on my feed. So you unfollow them. So following somebody on social media, easy. It requires basically no effort on your part, although it did take Casey some time to follow all of those people to get into those giveaways. But it doesn't really require effort. The modern-day idea of following someone, it means very little. And so we're going to see in our passage this morning that following Jesus is totally different. It is a completely different experience. Following Jesus, it requires commitment. You are either all in or you're out. You don't follow him so that you can sometimes like his posts on social media when you happen to see them. You don't follow him for inspirational quotes that that just make you feel good. You don't follow him so that you can get entered into some giveaway for a new iPad. You don't follow him just so you can get something out of the relationship. You don't follow him so that you can sometimes listen to what he has to say, so that you can kind of pick and choose what parts of Jesus we like, because we just want to make him in our own image. You follow him by giving him complete authority over your life. You follow him by listening to him and obeying him and submitting to him. It's none of this wishy-washy stuff. It's all or it's nothing. Are you in or are you out? So you want to come after Jesus. If anyone would come after me, he says. You want to come after Jesus. You want to be a follower of Jesus. We're going to see in this passage there are conditions to be met. The path is narrow. It is not for the faint of heart. It's not some kind of casual relationship. There are requirements. And it's not just that he requires something out of us. It's that he literally requires everything from us. So let's see from Luke 9, two points here. Let's see how to follow Jesus, and then let's also see why to follow Jesus. So first, the how. Verse 23, I'm going to read that verse again. Verse 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So Jesus, he unpacks here how to follow him in two ways. And honestly, they're surprising ways. If you're familiar with your Bible, you might not think much of it, but these are surprising things that Jesus says. Deny yourself and take up your cross. So let's be honest. Jesus would not make a good salesman. We saw like a few weeks ago, Pastor Steve helped us to see that Jesus would have failed modern day medical school, if you remember that. He is the good physician, but in ways that are totally counterintuitive to modern day medicine. He would not, he would not have, have passed modern day medical school, and he would have also failed modern day salesman school, if that is a thing. So salesman in here, you can tell me sometime, are there schools? Is there a salesman school? He would have failed that. That's because Jesus isn't concerned with being popular or successful or impressive by worldly standards. And he's not going to sugarcoat reality either. 
He's not going to try and spin the situation for what it means to follow him. I remember back in college, um, I needed a car. And I needed a reliable car because I was going to drive that car from my current home in California all the way out here. So I needed, I needed one that was in good shape, but also I didn't have a lot of money. So I was, I was in a hard place. My grandfather knows a lot about cars, though. And he took me to go look at a car. I had found it online. It was not very expensive, had very low mileage, and I thought, this could be a winner. This could be a really good car. So we show up at, at the, the, the car lot, and we're looking at it, and immediately it's like all of these really nice used cars. Like I'm like, okay, it's, it's going like, to be one of these cars. There weren't a lot of pictures online, first mistake. And I thought, okay, there's going to be, like, it's going to be one of these cars. And then there was one car in the corner, and it was a, it was a lemon. It was just a beater. It looked terrible. That was the car. Uh, it was so obvious that somebody had messed with the mileage. Like, it was not, it had, if they said, like, something like 60,000 miles. No way. That car had seen, like, 260 miles, 260,000 miles. And, uh, and the salesman, he tried to spin it. He tried to make it sound like this could be a good car for me. And I was like, buddy, do you know how far Indiana is? Like, this would not make it to, no, to Nevada. Like, I can't, I can't drive this through the Sierra Nevada mountains. Like, this won't do it. And this is the dead giveaway. We wanted to drive it. We wanted to look under the hood. My grandfather knows cars. He wanted to check it out. The guy was like, ah, you don't need to do that. You don't need to. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, all right, we're getting out of here. No, we don't need this. He was trying to make it look better than it was. He was trying to sell us something, thinking maybe I can kind of swindle these guys. If you're a car salesman, not all car salesmen are made equal. I'm not saying that's how all people are. I have a cousin. He's a car salesman. He's a good guy. But Jesus is not like a bad car salesman. He's not going to try to make the situation look better than it is because he doesn't want a a bunch of half-hearted, fake followers. So he says it like it is. He is a suffering Savior. And those who follow him must be willing to deny themselves, to put to death, to put to death their own self-centeredness. And they must be ready to carry their cross daily, to be willing to be ready to face death themselves. Deny yourself and take up your cross. So let's unpack those two aspects of how to follow Jesus. Let's start with self-denial. Maybe you hear that term, and understandably, maybe you think like just depriving yourself of something, like exercising self-control. There's a donut. I would like that donut. But you know what? I don't need it. I don't need to have that donut, so I'm not going to eat it. I choose not to eat the donut. I have practiced a form of self-denial. That's true. That's, that's part of what it means to deny yourself. You deny yourself certain things because they're not good for you or because you realize that you don't need to have it, so you exercise some self-control. But self-denial, according to Jesus, goes deeper than that. It doesn't just mean to deprive yourself of something that you'd like or a one-time momentary experience. You can do something enjoyable like eat a donut and still follow Jesus. Because Jesus is aiming for our hearts. This is a a total surrender of sorts. I am relinquishing my autonomy, my control over how I live my life. This is the mark of a true believer here. I'm setting aside my ways. Not perfectly, but more and more, I'm setting aside my ways, rooted in my sinful desires and I am substituting them for God's ways, rooted in his perfect goodness. I set aside what I sinfully want, 
and I replace it with obedience and with a dependency on Christ. I deny myself in the sense that I deny my sinful desires. I deny my sinful thoughts. I deny all the ways that I want to go my own way and live as I please. And then I seek to obey and submit to Jesus as He's revealed Himself to us in His Word. So in whatever we do, whether it's enjoyable or not, we want to live in a way that is pleasing to God. And if we think of self-denial more holistically like this, it should impact every part of our lives. Now, if I only think of self-denial as simply denying myself certain things, I'm going to be apt to compartmentalize my life. Jesus says to be a faithful follower, I need to deny myself. So, I'm not going to steal that candy bar off my coworker's desk, even though I really want it, I'm not going to do it. That's a good thing. But that's not all that Jesus expects of us when it comes to self-denial. It should change the way that we live in every aspect of our lives. I also need to work hard to love my wife, to love my kids, to invest in their lives, even when I don't feel like it, to point them to the truth of God's Word. And where I don't know, when I don't know where to go in God's Word or I don't understand His Word, I need to dig into it myself. I need to, to work in it. I need to let it work in my heart. I need to work hard to be patient and compassionate and generous. I need to work hard to be an encouragement to my brothers and sisters in Christ, to be a help to them in their lives, to receive help when I need it, to speak truth, to receive truth. My whole life needs to be characterized more and more by self-denial, by a putting off of my old self with its old ways of thinking, and by putting on this new redeemed self with its new ways of thinking that line up with God. So that's the first way that we follow Jesus. We deny ourselves. We reorient our priorities. We set out to obey Christ. Now here's the second way that we follow Jesus. We take up our cross daily. We take up our cross daily. Because because of our allegiance to Christ... Because of our self-denial, we should not be surprised if hardship for the sake of Christ comes our way. If we experience rejection, even to the point of death, Jesus here, he chose his words very carefully. He intentionally spoke of the very method of execution that he would endure. Take up your cross. He didn't just say, be willing to die. He said, take up your cross. Do you remember last week's sermon? I know it's been a week. It's hard. Last week's sermon. Jesus helped us to understand who he is. He is God in the flesh, who has come to save his people, and not at all in the ways that we would expect. He's the Messiah who has come to die, the suffering Messiah, not the conquering Messiah. That's what his disciples expected. That's what people wanted. They wanted the conquering Messiah to come. Jesus says, that's not the way it's going to go for me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be given over into the hands of the Jewish leaders, and they are going to kill me. And that was a crazy thought to his disciples. There's no way. Like, that can't be the case. You can't do that. You're not going to suffer. You're not going to die. You're not going to be rejected. No way. And Jesus is helping us to see this week something just as crazy. You want to follow me? It won't be easy. You should expect to suffer. You're going to throw in with me. You should expect to suffer. I'm the suffering Messiah. So following me won't be easy. 
I am heading to the cross in a very literal way. So, so metaphorically, figuratively speaking, and possibly even literally speaking, take up your cross too. And be ready to do it every single day. Jesus is making it clear, especially now in the book of Luke. As we continue on in Luke, Jesus is making it clear, I am on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus is saying, I have set my face like flint. I am going to carry my cross up that hill. I'm going to be nailed to that cross. You better be ready to take up your cross too. Be ready to endure suffering for the sake of your suffering Savior. It's not easy to follow Jesus. For centuries, people have been hearing Jesus' words and turning away. They've been turning away because it's too hard. Even when Jesus was on earth, people were hearing his words and they were saying, that's not for me. There were people even that were called his disciples. Not the twelve that we most naturally think of, but there were people who were just disciples of Jesus. Lots of people that were following him. And they would hear his words, and there were times where they would say, that's too hard. I can't do that. Read John chapter 6. Jesus is teaching, and he says some really hard things, much like he says hard things here in Luke 9. And people who had been following him, who were described as his disciples in John chapter 6, they said these words. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And the text goes on to say that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Following Jesus is hard because it is a daily battle to put our selfishness to death, to deny ourselves. And it is a daily battle to be ready to face death ourselves. Take up your cross and follow me. And so Jesus not only helps us to see how to follow him, because that is hard, he also helps us to see why. He gives us reason. He gives us motivation Because we look at them, we say, that is a hard road to walk. And Jesus, in his grace even, shows us why we should follow him. It's hard, but Jesus helps us to see that it's worth it. And he unpacks the why of following him in in a twofold kind of way. We saw a twofold idea behind how to follow him. Now we see kind of a twofold way of why to follow him. Look again at, at verses 24 to 26. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. If we we live to indulge ourselves, if we live to, to please ourselves, if we say, I don't, I don't want to follow Jesus. I, I don't want to live according to his ways. I don't want to submit to him. I don't want to obey him. If instead of picking up our cross, we actually just set our cross on the ground and we walk away, Jesus is clear. You will lose your soul. Now, that may sound obvious. If, you, if you're in here and you're, you're saying, yeah, I've, I've been in church a long time. I, I read my Bible. If you're in that world, you may say, that's obvious. Yeah, you're going to lose your soul. But every day, from all sorts of places, we hear the lie whispered over and over again. Gaining the whole world is worth it. You can live for yourself. Everything will be fine. You can have your cake, and you can eat it too. You can have your cake, you can eat it too. 
we are constantly bombarded with the lie that, that we can pursue whatever we want. We can pursue whatever we want and our, our souls will be fine. You live life however you want. You live life in whatever way makes you feel happy and your soul won't be lost. In fact, not only will it not be lost, it's a good thing. It'll be good for your soul. God will bless you if you just pursue what makes you happy. If you, if you love yourself and you ignore what God has said in his word. If you ignore what he said about what it means to love him and to walk faithfully with him, your soul will be fine. And actually, your soul will be fulfilled. You'll finally be the the you that you were meant to be. You can live how you please. Don't worry about it. And Jesus is saying, that's not true. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve bought into the lie that they could decide how they wanted to live. God had given them rules. God had given them parameters that were for their good, that were a blessing to them. But Adam and Eve believed the lie that the enemy gave, that God was wrong, that they knew better than God, that they could live however they wanted to live, and they suffered grave consequences for it. The same lie is still being told today. You can gain the whole world and your soul won't be lost. Jesus says, no, that's not true. You want to save your life? You want to preserve your soul? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Following Jesus is costly. It is hard. You will miss out on things that this world has to offer. Things that will bring you some kind of counterfeit happiness. You're going to miss out on those things. If you follow Jesus, if you make it clear in what you say and in what you do, that you are His, that you belong to Him, that you unreservedly give your allegiance to Him, life will not be as easy or as comfortable as it could be. You are sacrificing this fleeting, counterfeit joy that will ultimately turn on you, and it will weigh you down, and it will bring you great sorrow. You are sacrificing that for, for, for real, lasting, eternal joy that never fades, that never shapeshifts, that never diminishes, that never grows bitter and sour in your mouth. And I know when I put it that way, that, that again, that, that sounds pretty easy, not too tough. Who wants a counterfeit joy that will ultimately produce sorrow and bitterness. Well, it's easy to say that I don't want that. It's easy to say, I I don't want the counterfeit joy. But every time that I get frustrated with my kids and speak harshly to them, I'm serving my own desires. Every time that I'm critical of others, that I easily find fault with them, I'm serving my own desires. Every time that I bring attention to myself because I want to be praised, I'm serving my own desires. Every time that I pursue in some way building my own kingdom and not pursuing the kingdom of God, I am buying the lie that the fleeting counterfeit joy of sin is in fact better than the real, lasting, eternal joy that is only found at God's right hand. Check out Psalm 16. And the more often that I buy it, the more often that I numb myself to really believing it to be true. Give me all that sin has to offer and you can have my soul. Because I want my sin, you can have my soul. And so we need to hear Jesus' words. Don't believe the lie. Following Jesus is worth it. Fight against your desire for self. Fight against your desire to gain the whole world. Sacrifice all of that. Because your soul isn't worth the price tag of sinful desires.
one day, Jesus is coming back. And he is, he's coming back in all of his glory. A glory that actually we're going to briefly see in our sermon passage next week, Lord willing. He's going to show his disciples and he's going to show us in his word what a, a, a glimpse of his glory. That's what verse 27 of our passage is driving at. He's going to show us a, a glimpse of his glory. I'm going to save that for Steve. Because he didn't save my sermon this week, last week. He talked way too much about this passage. I'm going to save more of it for him. But one day Jesus is coming back, and he's going to come back in a very final way. A decisive way. There's going to be a reckoning day that will arrive. Try as we may to ignore that fact. Try as we may to, to believe that it won't come. It will. And on that day, all things are going to be exposed. There will be no hiding the truth. Did you give up what the world has to offer to follow Jesus? Or did you give up what Jesus has to offer to follow the world? Will you gain what is momentary, what, what is fleeting in this life? Or will you gain what is enduring, what is eternal in the life to come? Now that doesn't mean that if we follow Jesus, our life will be nothing but suffering. God gives good gifts, even in life. We can all list a multitude of gifts. Piper just started playing t-ball. That was, man, that was a good gift. I just was sharing with Sunday school class about how it was kind of tough to watch at times because she's four and she plays in the dirt. And I wanted my kid to be like the all-star shortstop, and that's not what she was. But the whole experience, like, man, that was such a good gift. My heart was full that night. God gives us good gifts in life. You can enjoy that donut. Enjoy your donut. But here's the question. What are we after? Like, are, are we ready, are we willing to, to lose good gifts to follow the giver? So Jesus, he's presenting us with two very clear options here. I think you probably get it by now. We unite ourselves to him or we unite ourselves to the world. Our allegiance is to him or it's to the world. We, we can't have it both ways. You either take up your cross with him or, as he said in verse 26, you're ashamed of him. You either take up your cross with him or you're ashamed of him. And did you catch what he said there in, in verse 26? It's not just that we might be ashamed of him. It doesn't just, he doesn't just say, anyone who's ashamed of me. Look back at verse 26. Is that we might also be ashamed of his words. See, it's a package deal. Jesus and his words, the person of Christ and the message of Christ, they are tied together. Can't have one without the other. This goes back to the idea that we, we can't follow Jesus however we please. We can't say, well, I follow Jesus, but then live in a way that runs completely counter to what he has said. Jesus' words, John 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So we can't do some kind of uh, piecemeal Christianity. I want Jesus, and I want all of his benefits, which ultimately the greatest of benefits is him, but I want Jesus and everything else that comes with him, but I don't want to listen to him. I don't want to obey what he has to say. That, that's not how the relationship works. And that's a good thing. It is a gift that God has given us his word. 
His ear, we can, we can know him more clearly. We can understand better what it means to live in relationship with him. He has revealed himself to us in creation, but he reveals himself even more specifically through his word. This is good for us. It's true that it's restrictive in a sense. You read the Garden of Eden, God gave a commandment that they could not eat from this particular tree. There is a restrictive sense to obeying him. But God also said you can eat from every other tree in the garden, and this tree is bad for you. They would be bad if you ate from it. I do this for your good. It's a gift that God gives us his word, that Jesus has spoken to us clearly. So it is restrictive, but in ways that are for our good, for God's glory, and that keep us from harm. Not only did Jesus say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, but the Apostle John, totally with Jesus' words in mind, said this in 1 John, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. That's Jesus' words on John's mind. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, wait a minute. Did John not know what Jesus said here in Luke 9? Because that sounds burdensome. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. That sounds burdensome. Well, it is hard work to follow Jesus. It's not easy. That's true. But it absolutely is the greatest good that we could enjoy. God doesn't give us his commandments to weigh us down. He doesn't give us his commandments to, to, to shackle us, to hinder us. He gives us his commandments so that we would experience real, true freedom that's only found in him. Not the freedom that you find out outside of God. No, the freedom that is found in God. Listening to and obeying his word is best. The more that we grow closer to God, the more that we then delight in not only who he is, but also in what he has commanded. And so in the last day, when Jesus returns, he's going to evaluate who accepted him in his words and who rejected him in his words, who followed him and gave up the world and who followed the world and gave up him. There's some real motivation there when we keep eternity in perspective. Following Jesus is worth it. Costly, absolutely, but absolutely worth it. So how do we follow Jesus? We deny ourselves. We put to death our desire for self, and we take up our cross every day, willing to lay down our lives for him. And why should we follow Jesus? Because an eternity with him is worth forfeiting a life of fleeting treasure. So let's, let's take up our cross. Let's take up our cross every day. And let's remember that Jesus has gone to the cross for us, that he suffered in our place. Whatever we may experience as a result of following Jesus, whatever hardship we face for his sake, whatever rejection we face for his sake, whatever cost we must pay, remember the cost that Jesus paid for you. He endured death. He endured the Father's wrath for your sake, for your sin. He bore the ultimate burden that we all deserved to bear. What mercy, what forgiveness that God has poured out on us. And so we're going we're gonna to take communion together in a moment. And let's keep this in mind. The good news of the gospel, it, it compels us. 
it motivates us to keep at it, to continue following Jesus, even when it's costly for us. Because remember, it was costly, the ultimate cost for Jesus. And we're going to remember that price that he paid now as we take communion together. Thank God for his great love for us that he demonstrated in giving his son for us, that we might follow him. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that we can follow you, not because of anything that we have done, not because of any any good work in and of ourselves, but because your son paid the price for our sins. So we pray now, God, that you would give us strength, even as we remember our Lord's death and taking communion. We pray that you would give us strength to live a life that is pleasing to you, to live a life that, that denies ourselves, that that puts off the old self and puts on the new. And that we would be ready and willing to lay down our lives for your sake. Because your son laid down his life for ours. He bore the wrath that we deserve. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We pray that it would, it would permeate our hearts more and more and more. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.